Welcome to Meet Us at Molly's episode five. I am one of your co-hosts. My name is Gina. I am here with Ashley. Hello, everybody. And we've got a guest host tonight. Bryna unfortunately could not make it, but we've got Melanie in her place. Melanie, say hello. Hi. (laughs) So, yeah, we usually like to start off with the news, and we're going to keep it light this time because, as you know, we record on Thursday, and Thursday is fire night. So we um, PD aired last night. We need to talk about that, but fire also starts in, like, an hour and 15 minutes. So we're going to, like, breeze through the news as fast as we can. So... The first bit of news we got, we got the episode descriptions for Chicago Fire, episode 604, and Chicago PD, episode 504. Ashley, can you please sum those up in two sentences? (laughs) In two sentences. Hang on a second. Okay. The PD episode is Atwater discovers a personal connection to the case, and Upton is asked about Ruzik's rough altercation with a suspect. And then fire, Dawson is trapped in a collapsed parking structure with all paths and exits are blocked. And she is, she is in, I cannot speak tonight. She is forced to improvise and work double duty to keep a number of injured individuals alive while trying to maintain peace among those trapped. And there is. Pressure mounting on Casey as he begins to take additional duties, and Kid grows skeptical of hope after learning about rumors circulating the firehouse, and that is it. Well done, well done. In the interview, I literally, or the interview, in the outline, sorry. In the outline, I literally wrote the Big Gabby episode, the Big Atwater episode. That's it. So that'll be a, those will both be really good to see. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to the Atwater episode, but, you know, we've we've been there. We've talked about that. So the other piece of news that we wanted to touch on that we will tweet out the link to is an interview with Rick Eyed um, that was done by Matt Carter. And we will post that interview on our Twitter page for you guys to see. Uh, it's basically just kind of feeling Rick out, seeing what he's about this season, seeing what he's going to do. Obviously, the theme of reform comes up quite a bit. So that is another interview we will post there. So, again, we and know Tracy, one more news, Tracy, uh, not Tracy, Upton. Somebody's coming in for Upton. I read that on TV Live. Oh, oh, yeah, that article came down today. Today being Thursday. Um, an actor who was on Jessica Jones. I can't remember his name, and if I try to pronounce it, I'm gonna butcher it. He is gonna come in. I think in episode four or five, and he's part of Upton's past. So we'll that- retweet that article too. We will. Yes, that'll be interesting to see. So, again, I know the news is kind of short, but, you know, now that we're in season, hey, uh, you know, we want to make sure that we get to the bulk of the episode. So on tonight's agenda, as I posted, was Chicago PD season five, episode one, the season premiere entitled Reform. Oh, my goodness. The season premiere was last night. It was fantastic, in my opinion. Um, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about, so we're just going to dive right in. So the first thing we're going to jump into, of course, is the case itself. And I know you guys are like, hey, why aren't you touching on that very, very first scene of Jay in the apartment? We will talk about it. We will just talk about it towards the end. Just 
patience, grasshoppers. We'll get there. So we're going to start off talking about the case and the whole reform thing. So the episode starts off with the team looking to bust a gun deal between two gangs. Um, Basically, they disperse. A gunfight ensues. And they start firing on Jay and Upton. And Jay goes on a bit of a foot chase. So... Jay does this awesome slide move like a ninja or something, whatever. Um, He fires the shot and he takes down the offender. But as he's going on, there are some screams coming from like somewhere. Well, he turns the corner and he walks inside and Upton is tending to this child who was shot. So basically the teaser ends with the door closing and this bullet hole. And we're kind of left wondering, you know, where did this come from? It's not good. So going on. Yeah, Ashley, do you have anything here to add in? No, keep going. So the original plan for the daycare, you know, the original plan that the team had said that the buildings were all abandoned, but one of these was used as an off-the-books daycare. So we're starting off as a normal episode, but then shit kind of goes crazy, because remember, the theme this season is reform. So good old Chief Lugo, who I know we all missed, we didn't. Um, he rolls up and he tells Voight that the case is being reviewed by an independent auditor, quote unquote. And the auditor turns out to be good old Denny Woods or Danny Woods. I can't remember his name. Do you remember his name, Ashley? Oh, goodness. Okay. Yeah. So basically, he was one of Voight's nemeses or he was an enemy of Voight's from last season. Um, and I put in the outline here. I was like, Denny Woods, Danny something, whatever. He's fake as hell. So... He gives this whole speech about, you know, I want to put the past in the past. I want to start fresh, blah, blah, blah. He also notes the time jump here, which is interesting. He notes that it's been six months, which is kind of noteworthy because there's a lot of things that come up later that we wonder about. So, um, you know, he's fake as hell, as evidenced by the handshake. And something else that's interesting to note that I took part of or I took note of was that, you know, he's got a bit of a similar path to Voight. You know, he he had the fall from grace. His reputation took a big hit. But then all of a sudden, the Chicago Police Department was like, you're good. You're good. Just go back to work. Just like Voight. So I thought that was kind of odd. Um, You know, and Bryna put here in the outline, of course, she's not here, that, you know, she was wondering if Voight had a pass or didn't he and Voight have a pass that we were introduced to last season. And we we he did have a pass. I just didn't really get around to watching that episode. Oopsies. So the episode goes on and it turns out that the bullet that hit this little girl was fired from Jay's gun. So basically enter Alderman Price, who is paid by Wendell Pierce and Danny Woods, hey, Danny Woods. Go ahead. Can I, uh, hey, every time he pops up on my screen, I'm like, wait, that's Robert Zane. Yes. Yes. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Mel, you watch Suits as well. That's right. Yeah. Um, and I think I wrote that later in the outline because Alderman Price is a jerk, y'all. Oh, my God. He's the worst. And so I think at one point I got fed up in the outline. and I was like, back off, Robert Zane. Go away. <laughs> so bad. So, yeah, um, Alderman Price rolls up. I love the scene where he's introduced because he basically walks up on this crime scene like he owns the place, first off. And then he starts talking to Olinsky and Olinsky's like, who the hell are you? But then he starts mouthing off to Burgess. And that is when Olinsky goes into like rage mode. It's fantastic. Um, yeah, I love that when he's like, oh, it must be so nice to be so naive and beautiful. And Olinsky's like, what'd you say? What the hell did you say? Like, <laughs> we missed you, Olinsky. We missed you. So, you know, basically that happens. Um, 
we cut to a scene in a mortuary. And the most important takeaway here is that Atwater is flirting with the mortician. Ashley, talk about that a little bit, please. Is he finally going to get a love interest? Because I am so down for that happening. I don't know if it's with her or like Upton. I just want him. But it's about time we see a step into him moving into that direction. Yeah, and it was cool to see Atwater kind of do a little bit more this episode. And I loved uh, at the end of that scene when Ruzik kind of patted him on the shoulder and was like, hey, go, flirt, flirt. So, yeah, I'm excited to see that. I'm hoping this is going to mean something good for Atwater. He deserves it. He's so good. So um, that's a great scene when he's flirting with the mortician. But the other thing that's worth noting is the scene that happens after this. Um... Mel, you saw the episode. This scene that follows, it's basically Ruzik and Atwater, and they approach this guy in this uh, housing development. And basically, the scene kind of goes from zero to 100 really fast. Um, Ruzik pulls his gun, and he's yelling at the guy, and the guy is just like, I'm not lifting my shirt for you. It's a really, really tense moment. So, Mel, what did you think of that moment when Ruzik was kind of pulling the gun, and Atwater was like, the hell are you doing? It actually made me feel really, really uncomfortable um, seeing how quickly he was pulling his gun out. I mean, I realize the situation that you're in and where you're at, but the the guy gave no indication that he was going to harm anyone at all. And he was just with his kid walking across, you know, the grass or whatever. And all of a sudden, Ruzik is like, you know, pulling his gun out. And I'm just kind of like, what is happening right now? And even Atwater was like, dude, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? I don't know. It made me really, really uncomfortable. And yeah. Yeah. And it kind of circles back to the whole reform theme that they were saying the season was going to have. You know, they wanted to address the racial tension in Chicago. This scene was really uncomfortable, but it was uncomfortable kind of in a good way. Um, So, yeah, I mean, that's something that happened. It was kind of it was crazy. And, you know, it did seem like Ruzik escalated that situation so quickly. But then... As they were going back to the car, um, they kind of aired out their sides. We heard both sides of the issue. You know, Ruzik explained his part. Atwater explained his heart, his part. And I love this because, Ashley, you and I both watch The Night Shift. And so you'll back me up here when I say this is something The Night Shift does so well, is they take these controversial topics and they present both sides of it. So Atwater's side of it was that, you know, black men don't really like to do what white cops tell them to do. Ruzik's side of the issue was, you know, what if I had gone easy and either you or I had taken two to the chest? Uh, You know, he was like, I'm not going to do that. That's just not going to happen. It's better to ask for forgiveness than ask for permission. And this leads into a really hot button topic in our country right now. But Ashley and Mel, what do you guys think of this? I would actually go first. Oh, I mean... I don't know. I just, the whole situation, I just thought was like, I don't know, like maybe a little bit out of character for Ruzik. Like, I don't like them arguing. Like, Atwater and Ruzik arguing. So, like, I don't know. It just just felt weird to me. But were they arguing, though? Because this is something I noticed, too, is that they confronted these issues as best friends, though. It never got awkward hostile. It just was, it never got hostile. It was just kind of a good discussion between friends. I don't, I don't consider it them arguing. Mel, do you? No, I mean, like, like you said, they were, they were presenting two different sides of the argument. And it wasn't even an argument. It was just two, uh, two different types of the situation um, of how 
certain people would act in a situation like that. And, I mean, I can see why Rusik would do that, and I can see how Atwater would react the way he would, um, because they come from two different sides of the tracks. But, um, it, like, I mean, it's a hot-button topic, you know, how certain cops react to certain situations, and I thought that they actually handled it really, really well. They did, yeah, and I'm I'm excited to see how they're going to handle this through the rest of the season, because there's kind of, I mean, they could build off of this tension, you know, with Ruzik being a white cop and Atwater being a black cop, and the issues between them, because, you know, like I said, they are friends, so, you know, it's interesting to see if they're going to, how they're going to work this out on that level. And if it's, if it's going to cause tension between them. So it's a really interesting angle that they didn't tease going into season five. And I'm glad they didn't. Cause I think this could be a really good viewpoint for some really good storylines coming up. So back on the Jay storyline, um, you know, Jay finds out that the bullet that killed the little girl or not killed. She's still shot at this point, but the bullet that hit her was from his gun. And so Jay, or he lays really low. Um, he keeps a low profile and he has this scene in the roll up, which is a little weird. Um, he's with Voight and he's just talking and then Burgess rolls up and Burgess basically tells him that this girl died. And the way he does or the way she does it, I found a little bit odd. Ashley, did you? I mean, she just kind of flat out said it. Yeah. And it was kind of cold the way she did. She's like, oh, you didn't hear. She died. Yeah, it was just very, like, matter-of-fact to the point. I was like, Burgess, like, compassion, please. Like, how are you doing? How are you holding up? Oh, by the way, the girl died. Yeah, sorry you haven't seen the news, but I don't know. But, yeah, so that's a little bit of a weird moment. But Jay goes to med. He's super upset. And, of course, big brother Will there is there to, you know, just kind of set him straight. And he's like, you know, I never said the chances were good. I said, you know, she might survive. She may not. And poor Jay is so upset. And Jay I, needs a hug. Jay does need a hug. <laughs> I don't know. I know. Mel, I know you love Jay too. Were you were you sad at this moment? Uh yes. <laughs> 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 I mean um I don't think if you weren't sad at this moment, you probably don't have a heart, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah. That's true. That's true. Something else I did notice was that they did seem to cut out the moment that was in the promo. Ashley, did you notice that? Yes, I did. But I'm glad they included that in the promo and didn't, even though they left it out of the episode, I'm glad we got to see it. Yeah, and didn't delete it like everything else. Burn. I know. I know. (laughs) Shade. You know, it's the little things with the Halstead brothers. We like our Halstead brother moments. So, you know, it's the little things. But yeah, so Jay's really upset and it kind of he's kind of upset for the rest of the episode. This is a really rough episode for Jay. Poor baby. Anyway, so basically Ruzik finds out that a person named Little Gigi, not working not making that up, Little Gigi purchased a burner phone. Um People called me Gigi when I was little and I hated it. And I think the only thing I would have hated more than that was to be called Little Gigi. Not cool. Not cool. Mel, don't even think about it. I know you're like, the wheels are turning right now. So, yeah. um, So, you know, Ruzik finds out little Gigi purchased a burner phone, whoever this person is. And he, it's it's kind of an interesting scene because he joins Burgess and Upton in the bullpen. And he tells them about this. And Voight says, okay, you two. But we don't see which two. Um, 
I don't know about you, Ashley. In this moment, I got slightly hopeful. I was like, Berzik moment? And then it was not a Berzik moment because he meant Upton and Ruzik, but did not specify. Ashley, were you like that too? Yeah. I got excited. Just didn't happen. <laughs> there was one, a little one at the end, though. Oh, we'll get there. We'll get to that. Though. Well, we even, I don't even want to count that as a Berzik moment, <laughs> but we'll get there. Grr. <laughs> So, basically, they're looking for this little GG character. It's just such a weird name. It's a bad rap name, too. I wouldn't even know. Not good. So, Upton has this little bit of intuition, and she slips a note to the wife. And the wife knows who this person is. So, Burgess and Atwater accompany Ruzik and Atwater. Or Ruzik and... Shit. Ruzik and Upton. Now I'm getting really confused. Um, And I haven't even had a full glass of wine yet. Oh, boy. So, yeah, um, they basically descend on this house. They find little Gigi dead, but they discover a connection between he and Pell. And Pell is the guy who was shot at the beginning, basically gets his leg raised, but he refuses to talk to the police. He's a total jerk. Um, yeah, so they find him dead and they get they get this Pell guy in there and Voight interrogates him. This interrogation between Pell and Voight is something because you never like to piss Voight off, right? So earlier in the episode, they're stressing this whole thing about reform. And one of these aspects is that they install cameras in the interrogation room. So what I didn't realize here was that this was kind of going to take the fun out of interrogations for the rest of us. Because um, this guy. There's always the cage. Oh, there is always the the cage. cage. Good call. I forgot about the cage. (laughs) (laughs) The day they put cameras where the cage is, is just the day that like all of the fun gets sucked out of PD. Uh, funny. I forgot about the cage. Good catch, Ashley. We haven't seen it in, like, forever, it seems like. That's true. That's true. Because I guess we're not supposed to know about it anymore. I guess we're supposed to, like, keep that on the DL. So, yeah. Um, this interrogation with Pell, it's just crazy. Because, you know, none of us would ever mouth off to Voight. Ever. And we're real people. And Voight is a fictional character. And we'd still never <laughs> mouth off to him. And Pell, in the middle of the interrogation, asks for a lawyer but he just keeps egging him on. And he at one point, he literally looks at Voight and is like, are you deaf? And <clears throat> Voight stands up. And the way he stands up, I tweeted out. I was like, OK, there's a Voight slap incoming. Voight's about to slap this guy silly. And then all of us remembered the cameras. And we But they remembered. wasn't turned on, was it? Were they? I don't re- I don't know. Did they I say? Think, I think they said that they wasn't turned on yet. Mel, did you happen to catch that detail if they were turned on? I did not happen to catch that detail, sorry. Blast. But, 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 I mean, the way he looked at the camera seemed to ensure that the camera was probably on. I don't see why it would already be up and the camera wouldn't be on. That's true. That's true. It was just, the way he stood up was, like, the exact way he does when he's about to, like, smack somebody silly. Um, and I like how he's dealing with this reform issue. Every time something comes up in his way, he just kind of smiles about it. But you know there's so much more behind that smile. He's, like, cursing and screaming to himself. Like, you know that inner monologue is crazy. But I thought that was funny because, yeah, he kind of looked at the cameras and it was just like, I we all just kind of collectively realized, like, oh, shit, I'm going to miss those Voight slaps. Damn. So... You know, um, we exit the interrogation room and Alderman Price is just strolling in like he owns the place. I can't stand him already. And Wendell Pierce is an excellent actor and he's a super like he's got an amazing career or whatever. But I really cannot stand this Alderman Price character. Um, and something funny that I noted too, Ashley, you might have noticed this too, is that 
Chicago Fire and PD and Med, they kind of hate these aldermen in Chicago. I, I don't get it. Like, what what gives? What are, what are they trying to say? <laughs> I noticed that, too. And the only nice alderman they ever had was Casey. And even then, he stepped down. So it basically shows that if you're nice, you can't hack it. So what are you trying to say about aldermen? One Chicago universe. Yeah, what are you trying to say here? So, yeah, Alderman Price strolls in. He's a jerk. He says something about not harassing the hardworking men and women of his ward. And at this point, I pretty much just wanted to be like, excuse you. Um, Because one of the taglines in like season two or season three was like, don't fuck with my city. But it was like bleeped out, of course. But I was like, excuse you. Like, this is Void City. Don't leave him alone. Don't tell him how to do his business. I'm like wagging my finger at the camera. I'm telling you, I've not even had a full glass of wine. So basically as they're leaving, Rizik and Atwater walk in and Rizik says something smart ass. He's like, oh, this guy, which is pretty much exactly what I said. But Platt catches them as they're walking out and he's like, hey, or Platt is like, hey, guys, uh, Jay is blowing up the Internet. <laughs> which I thought was funny at this point because the whole fandom is like, yeah, it's it's Wednesday. This is normal. What are you talking about? Of course, Jay's blowing up the Internet. You know, whatever. Uh, another interesting thing here that I put in the outline. He mentioned something or he not he uh, Platt mentioned something, not Rizik, but Platt mentioned something about. No, Rizik did. Never mind. I'm getting confused. Oh, my goodness. Um Rizik mentioned something about Jay punching a black cop who had been sending Lindsay perverted photos. What? Yeah, so I'm like, I thought I it was texts. Yeah, like photos? harassing her in text messages. Yeah, like the, punched her or something. Yeah, there was no photos. I don't know where you heard photos. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just imagined that if he were sending perverted texts, that he was like sending dick pics. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. Yeah, um, I just said dick pics on the broadcast. Um, <laughs> I said it twice, actually. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway. So, I, yeah, I, that was interesting. I think everybody in the fandom was like, what? Like, okay. Yeah, why didn't we see this? That would have been, like, the perfect scene. Like, Jay defending Aaron. Like, that would have been perfect. So I think it would have been funny. It just would have been. And I mean, I don't yeah. think it would have gotten to the point where Halstead would have needed to defend her. I think even, I think Lindsay would have, like, publicly shamed him in the district and been like, dude, stop sending me pictures, you know? But I, uh, that was, probably, I thought that was kind of. He probably like, found out Lindsay or probably told him, or maybe she didn't even tell him. And he just found out that she was getting these text messages and just went and found the guy, tracked his phone down and found him. We're throwing theories around about a guy sending perverted text messages to Lindsay's phone. <laughs> How did we get here? <laughs> Mel, I can see you on video now. You're laughing with us. So, I didn't know I didn't know it wasn't on until just now. <laughs> yeah, so you know, Platt points out Jay blowing up the internet. We get that whole storyline about the cop and Lindsay and whatever, so weird. Um, Voight meets with Alderman Price. And it turns out that Alderman Price planted these horrible headlines about Jay, and he's basically determined to come after him. This is the point in the outline where I was like, back off, Robert Zane. Surely Rachel and Mike need you somewhere. Go away. Shoo. Um, God, he's horrible. Yeah, so Voight finds this Pell guy, gets him to cooperate, and this is when things get awesome. So Voight finds Pell, ambushes him in the car, and is like, help me here, otherwise you're going to come up on like a shit ton of charges. 
So we cut to the scene where Ruzik is walking into this barbecue place and he's like, hey, tell me this story one more time. And it pans back and it's Antonio. Yay. Um, I was so happy at that moment. I literally like I threw up my arms and I was like, Antonio. And of course, my mom and my dog were like, what is wrong with you? So I'm so excited that he's back. I know, Ashley, you are so excited that he's back. Um, There's a great moment here. So Ruzik and Antonio, they go undercover and they basically find this Marcus guy. And Marcus admits his involvement with the shooting because they're basically the whole episode. They're trying to find this guy that Jay shot to legitimize what happened um, and say, you know, hey, Jay was shooting as an offender. He was not shooting at a little girl. He would never. So they go undercover. They get this Marcus guy to admit Atwater is kind of playing lookout behind them. And I guess Atwater makes eye contact at the wrong moment and it kind of escalates. And basically this guy who stands up, he grabs his gun, but it's a blink and you miss it moment. If you are not paying attention for a split nanosecond, you miss it. So Ruzik has to kind of create a diversion. And to create the diversion, he punches Atwater. <laughs> like, punches that was him. the best thing ever. It was. I love that. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? We saw in the promo that Ruzik was going to punch somebody, but it did not cross my mind for a second that he was going to punch Atwater. Did it cross y'all's? No. No. No, not at all. Mel, what was your reaction when Ruzik just, like, decked him? Uh... Yeah, that's about right. <laughs> yep. That sounds good. <laughs> yeah. Um, I started laughing hysterically, and I kind of felt bad for doing that. I was like, wait, Ruzik just, like, punched his BFF and partner. That's not good. But he didn't but save his life. He check Oh, my God. He did it to help him not he get did. shot. He did, as evidenced by the scene afterwards, which was just so funny because Atwater's, like, holding his face, and he's just so, like, he's his pride is kind of bruised, but it's hilarious because Antonio and Ruzik, right after he punches him, they're both kind of smiling, and I feel like it's kind of what happens on Saturday Night Live when somebody breaks character. Like, they start smiling, but they kind of have to, like, hide it and keep their, like, street cred. Oh, my God, so funny. So Antonio and Ruzik are smiling. They're trying to play tough, but you know they're laughing because of the punch. And Ruzik's apology was so funny because Atwater was just so not cool with it. But Ruzik was like, dude, he was going for the gun. I had to do something. And Atwater's like, yeah, we're cool. We're cool. It was the right move. It was the right move. He's just like, stop talking about it. Just just stop. <laughs> oh, poor Ruzwater. They just had a rough episode, those two. But so funny. So they find this Marcus guy and Voight finds out that Marcus and Alderman Price go way the F back. They have history. So they have this scene where Voight and Alderman Price are walking through this school. And it turns out that Alderman Price is like corrupt as fuck. Yeah, I said it. Um, But he's okay with it. Like he's smiling and he's cool with it. And he basically explains out in the open that gang activity funds his campaign. And he's totally cool with it. So he's like, yeah, you know, Marcus Pell or whatever Pell's first name was. He's totally great. He's the brains of the operation. He funds everything. So the whole episode, we've seen Voight kind of hit these roadblocks with reform and he can't really operate the way that he likes to. We finally get to see him operate the way he always has. He makes a deal with Price that he will back off of Pell if Alderman Price backs off of Jay. So Voight gets his way. It happens. It's good. 
And Alderman Price ends up holding a conference with Jay in the background. And he kind of has to eat crow because he's like, yeah, Jay did what he had to do. He saved lives. He did his thing. And as Voight is walking out of the press conference, um, Denny Woods, Danny Woods, whatever the the hell his name is. I can't remember it for the life of me. He just is like, yeah, nice try. And Woods is like, I don't know what you're talking about. So I think that kind of sets up the conflict for this season where that's going to be. That's going to be a lot with Woods and with Voight. Ashley, what did you think about that whole resolution? Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be a major conflict of like, yeah. Yeah, it'll be a big conflict. So, And Alderman Price, man, I don't know if we're going to see him again, but he's kind of a jerk. So either way. I think he's in a couple more episodes. No. Maybe. I don't want to. No. He has to go back on suits. Doesn't he have to go back on suits sometime? Yeah. At some point. Mel, what were you going to say? Nothing. No, I was laughing at you saying no. Yeah, no. Nothing. coming back. So um, there's also a nice moment here between Halstead and Upton. And I know everybody's kind of like, oh, hell no. No Halstead, no Upton. But I think it's a good moment that kind of cements them as partners. So... Upton's like, hey, I'm sorry, I missed it, blah, 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 whatever. And Upton basically offers her support. And Jay kind of realizes that she's been in a circumstance similar to this. And it's a good bonding moment. I think it's a good bonding moment between them as partners. I took nothing potentially shippy from this. Ashley, did you? No, and then, like, one of my friends texted me. and said, I don't think Upton and Halstead's going to get together. And I was like, no. No. Not happening at all. Mel, what are your thoughts here about Upton and Halstead as partners? Are they good as partners? Are you hoping they have, like, no romantic interest? What's the deal? What do you think? Um, at the moment, I like them as partners. Um, I would prefer it if they stayed partners because I think that you can have friends of the opposite sex and it would be fine um, if they want to find other people? friends, people. Yeah. I don't know. Um, other people to um, find comfort with, then they can do that. But I don't think that they need to do that together. Yeah. And plus, it's just, it's not necessarily so soon after Aaron, but we're going to get into Aaron in a minute. So um, the episode ends basically with, you know, the, throughout the episode, Jay tries to approach the little girl's mom. The little girl's name is Morgan. Jay tries to approach her and offer his condolences, but he can't seem to do it. And so in this moment, he explains to Upton, you know, I'm not ready. And Upton's like, well, hang on, you're never going to be ready. So she kind of gives him the support that he needs to go ahead and make amends. And so the episode ends with Jay going to Morgan's parents and he basically drops off her necklace. And it's just a really sad moment because the mom just can't really figure out what to say to Jay. Jay can't really figure out what to say to the mom. And they kind of stare at each other for a while. And Jay just goes, I'm very sorry. And he hands the necklace and he walks away and he's crying and crying and crying. Like, Jay is just so upset in this episode. He spends a lot of it emotional and upset and crying. And it's just, ugh. So, because, you know, sad Jay makes us sad. But, yeah, so, I mean, and the episode ends right there. And so... There's a lot to take away from this episode. You know, the whole theme of reform, they're really not messing around with bringing it in full force. So I'm really excited about that. Ashley, what do you think about the whole reform aspect? Do you think they really tackled it in this episode? Yeah, you can tell there's like a difference Ashley. with everything. Did we lose Ashley? Oh, there you are. 
Yeah. You can tell there's a difference between like everything that's happening and you can tell it's like a whole, it's going to be a whole new show. Yeah. The tone seems really different this season. Mel, did you notice a shift in the tone? I did. I was actually about to just say that. Um, uh, it, it, the tone of the show seems very different. It was almost kind of, since I'm not as into it as you guys, and I didn't realize that that reform was like going to be like the theme of season five or five, six, five, 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 five. five. <laughs> um, uh, coming into this episode without really seeing anything except for you yelling at me about the promos. Um, I was kind of jarred a little bit. Cause I was like, I don't know why is this so different? And so, um, I think it'll be a good change though. Cause changing up the tone is always good. Well, not always, but it helps, ref- makes everything fresh. Yeah, yeah, I think it'll be really interesting and something we've talked about in past episodes and something we, I, Ashley and I actually just talked about in our interview with Chris Agos. Go listen to it if you have not listened to it yet. Um, or we might attach it to the end of this episode. Who knows? But <laughs> something we talked about was that, you know, it's good that our television is reflecting what's happening in our world right now because it's a crazy world we live in and insane shit is going on. So, you know, it's good that they're stepping up the game to really reflect what's going on out there. So I definitely noticed a big shift. There was just kind of it's kind of seemed like they had raised their game. So I'm excited to see what's going to come with this season. So, you know, now we have to get into the hot topic of it all. Oh, boy. All right, so I wrote it in the outline as the Lindsay thing because we ha- we still have to address that she's gone. I mean, we've talked about it in what episode two, Ashley, um, yeah. about the finale and everything like that. But we still, you know, we have to address how the show handled it, which they found they handled it well. But the very first scene of the episode, the very very first scene is Jay- after all the flashbacks that like broke my heart even. Yeah, more. after all the flashbacks, they basically start with like Lindsay's greatest hits, and yeah. Yeah, just ugh, heartbreaking. But then they cut to Jay and he's walking into the empty apartment. The empty apartment. Ugh. Which they changed. They changed apartments. Just pointing that out. <laughs> I don't think they necessarily changed. You and I noticed this discrepancy earlier today that Aaron usually lives in apartment 310. But in this episode, they changed it and it was like 307. But I, it's... One of those things that, like, if you watch the show and you can't sleep at, like, 2 a.m., you notice really random-ass details, and that's when you notice. So, yeah, um, he walks into this apartment, and it's empty, and it's just, oh, so sad. My question here is that, and this is something Bryna had put in here, too, was that the, um, we're kind of confused about the time jump, because Woods, whatever his first name is, he mentions that it's, like, six months. If it's six months, why is jay at the empty apartment was he just going for shits and giggles was he going to find that picture what was his purpose in going to the apartment what do you guys think Uh, um i was actually kind of confused about that too because i was kind of like okay we went through this little montage of Lindsay's greatest hits and then we cut to jay going into the apartment so is that like after he finds out that she left, did he go to the apartment? And we just didn't address that, that that's like a d- totally different time? Or did it take him six months to go there? And if so, why hasn't someone else moved into the apartment already? And <laughs> <laughs> so I was just kind of confused. Maybe it took him six months to gather up the courage to go to the apartment. But like that's I said... That's a long time, though. Like six months just to go back. 
But I, I could see I, it taking Jay that long. I mean, I don't know. I just... It it kind of seemed kind of weird that also no one else had lived in the apartment. Unless Jay... And I don't know. It was just, well, he's hey, scoping it out to go live in it. <laughs> Where is he not. living? <laughs> Where is he living not. at now? Hey, all I'm saying is that is a sweet-ass apartment. I can't imagine that shit is cheap. So maybe they couldn't find a new tenant. Whatever. I'm, I'm just saying a cop on a cop salary. You're not living in an apartment like that. But It's Ooh. the same thing on Friends. Rachel was like 25 living in that sweet midtown apartment. There's no way a 25-year-old could have afforded that. But whatever. So, you know, something I wondered, too, because, you know, he walks through the apartment, he goes into the closet, and he finds this photo of he and Aaron. The first thing here that Ashley, you brought to my attention, that is the photo on her phone from season three, episode one, isn't it? Yes, it is. That we have been wanting for like ever. And they like, we don't have that photo. And then all of a sudden the photo appears when she's gone. I'm really hoping Jay didn't go back to the apartment for that photo. I hope not. I really hope not either. Cause did you guys see earlier this week, Jimmy Fallon did that whole, this is us spoof. Did you guys see it? Okay, I'll post it on our Twitter page. But basically, Jimmy Fallon does this spoof about This Is Us where he's the sound guy. And he's filming a scene, but he can't get through the scene. He can't get through holding the stick to, like, record the sound. He can't get through it without crying because the show is so emotional. But there's a moment in there where Kate is talking about, you know, I'm the reason Dad died. And at one point, like, Jimmy's character just goes, don't do that to yourself. And that was kind of the moment I had here. I was like, get out of that apartment. Don't do this to yourself. Like, you are better than this, Jay. Move on. And I know that's not a hot take, but that was kind of my take on it. I was like, don't tell me you went back to this apartment just for that photo. But but did he even know the picture was in there? Because it kind of looks like he was going to walk out of the apartment and then he's seen it laying on the ground. So did he even know the picture was in the apartment? He didn't take anything from the apartment. What was his purpose (laughs) in going to the apartment? Maybe just to go where she used to live. I don't, I mean, I I thought the whole thing was weird. And then it was just weird. It was a weird thing. Yeah, it was kind of to break our hearts as viewers but at the same time... Like that time, song playing in the background? Like, that was just... That song. It hurt. It yeah. hurt. Yeah, I'll admit it. Uh, so, yeah, he goes to the apartment. And I, there's, like, differing takes on this. Because on Twitter, a lot of people were pissed about it. Some people were like, this is terrible. I was like, oh, my God. My heart is shattering into a million pieces. And yesterday, when you sent it to me, Ashley, I'm, like, on the train home from work, just minding my own business. And Ashley starts blowing up my phone. And she's like, I just watched something. And it just said something with like cry faces and broken heart emojis. I'm like, Ashley, form English, please. What did you watch? <laughs> did, did somebody get killed? What did you see? And then she sent me the clip and I was like, no, thank you. No, thank you. I know where he is. I will wait. So- I so wish I didn't watch that earlier. Like I did when it came out. But then rewatching it with the episode, it was made it even sadder than the first time I watched it. It was, yeah, I just, I saw him open the door and I was like, nope, <laughs> nope. I was like, yeah, that later. Alba, I knew where that was going right when he opened the door. Oh, man. I should have turned it off then, but I didn't. So another interesting note here, which kind of threw everybody for a loop, Voight is in therapy, which I love. A lot of people were surprised by this. I think it's fantastic. What did you guys think that Voight's in therapy? I thought it was shocking, but I understand why he's there. He has, like, nobody left. Bingo. Mel? 
Yeah, I mean, she basically just hit the nail on the head. He, he doesn't have anybody, and so, I mean, what do you do when you don't have anything left? You go and talk it out with somebody, and who are you going to go talk to? You're going to talk to a therapist. Yeah, I think it's fantastic that they're showing this. And in our wish list episode last week, I had put in the outline. This didn't make it into the show, but um, I wanted to see PD kind of tackle mental health. And this is fantastic. I love that he's he's seeking help. It's great because, well, you know. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I mean, he basically, I mean, he lost his son a couple seasons ago, and then he basically is losing his surrogate daughter. I mean, it's it has to be a rough a rough transition because I'm yeah. sure she probably cut off all ties to Chicago. I would assume. Yeah. But. It sounds like she did. Cause there's a scene later on where they address that. But yeah, one of the key things he says is that it's lonely without her. And it's just kind of interesting. Cause he's like, I had no choice. I mean, you kind of did have a choice Voight, but I get it. You know, Chief Lugo gave him an ultimatum. And if Sophia hadn't been leaving, I think Voight would have had a choice. But it is what it is. But the fact that he's in therapy, I think, is a really, really positive note. And I love that. And it basically sends the message that, you know, it's okay to find help. It's okay to seek help. So awesome. So we get that scene of Voight in therapy. And we also have a scene later on in the episode where, you know, Jay's got to lay low. He's got to stay off active duty. He's got to work the desk. And there's a moment where it's just the two of them. And at this point, I think I don't remember who the third person in the room was, but I was like, please don't leave because they're going to talk about Aaron and it's going to make me sad. Like, <laughs> I know this is coming. Please don't do it. So basically, Jay asks Voight, he's like, have you spoken to Aaron? And Voight's like, no, she's probably on assignment. And he seems totally cool with it. And Jay is like, I sent her a message. She didn't respond, which kind of raises some flags with me. You sent her a message? Listen, Jay, you proposed to her. She ghosted you. Like, I don't think it's very healthy to be leaving her messages. But she whatever. didn't answer, so why does it matter? Why is he still calling her, though? That's uh, true. Uh, that, you know, I just, I had my opinions there. But the only reason that he was asking about this, and I kind of realized it as the scene happened, like, it's upsetting because you can see in Jay's face that he is so upset and he's hurting so much from what happened. And the only reason he's asking is because Aaron is usually the person he turns to in this it's instance. True. He doesn't have her anymore. So... It's just so upsetting. Ashley, what'd you think? Yeah, but I was like, and like, here's my thing. And then Void, what did Void say? He's like, you need to make peace with it or something. Yeah, and he's like, like, you know, she made her choice. Like, it's time for her to move on. Jay just proposed to her. It was like the love of his life. He was wanting to get married to her. And she just ghosted him and left. Like, I'm sure he's hurt and wants an explanation about all this and it's going to take time for him to get over it. You can't just, like, make peace with it. I mean, it's probably six months later, but still. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So Voight basically says, you know, she. it was time for her to move on. She made her choice. You have to make peace with it and move on. So I know Bryna thought this was a little harsh. Um I see where Voight is coming from. I can see how people would think this is harsh, but I can see where it's coming from. Mel, do you think Voight was kind of harsh, or do you think he was fine? I think he was lashing out. You think? 
I think maybe maybe a little bit maybe maybe not intentionally but I think I think Aaron's a sore topic for him so whenever someone brings her up he is unintentionally harsh um I did think what he said was harsh um a little bit because he's also I mean they're both hurting but I mean Jay just shot a little girl and you know is needing to you know Need Jay some- needed Aaron. Needs something, and voice is kind of like, you need to get over it. And I'm just kind of like, you gotta give him something. Like, you can't just, like, be like, get over, you know, this, or whatever. Because that's just not, I don't know. It's not healthy, first off, but... I don't know. Sorry, I ranted. I don't... No, you're good, you're good. I mean, I feel like that's kind of reflective of the Boyd and Jay relationship, though. Hi, Hawkeye! <laughs> Hi, buddy! Um... <laughs> Yeah, I feel like that's kind of reflective of the Voight and Jay relationship, though, because they never talk about feelings. They're just strictly professional, bury it, get to the job. So I get that. But I also think that neither one of them knows the full story. I don't think that Jay knows, or I don't think Voight knows that Jay was going to propose. I don't think Jay knows that Voight gave her up to the FBI. I also don't think that Voight knows that or I don't think that Jay knows that Voight is in therapy. There's no way Jay knows that Voight's in no. therapy. No way. No, no. Yeah, I don't think so, anybody knows that he's in therapy. No, no. Just like, I don't know if anybody knows that Jay proposed. Ashley, do you right? think? No, I don't. Like, did anybody know? I don't. We talked about that, didn't we? In, like, some episode. But, yeah, I don't think anybody knows that he was going to propose to her. Right, did yeah. He, so, go ahead, Mel. Did, did he actually propose or was he, it was, he, he was going no, to, he, right? Like, yeah, he was. He okay. had the ring and the box and stuff, but All he right, never that's like. That's what I thought. Yeah. Proposed. And then when he was going to, she fucking she ghosted was. him. I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter didn't, at all. Didn't his brother know? Will knew because he had to get yeah. the ring. Yeah. Okay, so someone so, did know. Yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah, and so I, I don't know. A lot of people think this was harsh. I don't really. Well, maybe it was harsh. Maybe it was harsh, but I do see where Voight was coming from. And this kind of created a tweet storm on Twitter from the fan or not fans, but from listeners. You know, a lot of people said that they, you know, they didn't agree. So we got a tweet from our friend Anna, um, who we have talked about in previous episodes. And one of the things that she said was that I don't think he has the right to tell Jay to make peace and move on when he himself is going to therapy, which I thought was interesting because the way I see it, the reason I see where he's coming from is because Voight is going to therapy to make that peace and move on himself. He's helping himself move forward. And so he is kind of gently nudging Jay to do the same because he knows that same pain. So I think that's why I understand where Voight's coming from. But I can see how it would be a little harsh because, you know, to Halstead with no background, it's just suck it up, get over it. So... There's also, I don't have it pulled up right now, but there is also another thread on Twitter that explains some Aaron and Jay stuff and like Voight. I don't have it pulled up right now, though. Are you talking about the thread from Chrissy? Yes. Oh my goodness. Okay, yeah. So there was a thread that came down on Twitter today, today being Thursday, and it's fantastic, basically. Um, Where did I put it? Oh, I had it in the outline. Where did I put it? Basically, the thread, the gist of the thread is that Jay is allowed to hurt. You know, he, there, nobody should tell him to suck it up because he's been through so much now and he should be allowed to be upset because, you know, he wanted to spend the rest of his, the rest of his life with this woman. She was the love of his life and he, or she left him standing outside Molly's with a cell phone and a ring. And so he's allowed to break. He's allowed to be upset. And 
I also understand that. But in theory, there's been six months that have passed. So presumably he's had six months to do exactly that and break. But I don't know. I mean, I see both sides of it, where Boyd's coming from. But basically, Jay hits us with a a line that's just kind of, it just kind of sucker punches all of us. He just looks at Boyd and he's like, she's not coming back, is she? Oh, gosh. Yeah, just about, yeah. Um, And I mean, for me, I was just kind of like, no, she's not. But something I forgot going into this episode was that the fans, the viewers, all of us, we had a whole hiatus to come to terms with Aaron leaving. We haven't seen these characters in months. So for them, it's, you know, we've still got to see them come to terms with it because we haven't seen them come to terms with it over hiatus. We already have. So that was something I forgot about that I thought was an interesting point. But all in all, you know, they didn't really dwell on Aaron that much, which I think is a positive. Ashley, what'd you think about that? Yeah, and like, yeah, I know we just said this in like episodes back, but how y'all was like, I don't want Aaron to come back. And I was like, well, I do because I want closure. Well, going back now, like watching this episode, I'm kind of glad she's not coming back because that would have made it just hurt even more. Than it already does. Yeah. Mel, do you, I don't know your take on this. Would you want to see Lindsay come back and not come back? Would you want to see her ever come back? Ever come back? Or like. Would like ever? ever? I mean, ever, period. Um. Probably not. Um, I feel like it would do more harm than good to the characters of the show. Um, it would hurt Jay. I mean, it would hurt Jay, and it would hurt Void. Um, but I mean, if there's a good reason for it, then maybe. But like, I could see her coming back, maybe for like one episode where they need her help with the like. She, isn't she in the FBI or something? Maybe they need like the FBI's help with the case, and they or maybe I'm just reading too much fan fiction. One of the two, but <laughs> <laughs> but maybe she could come back with like a help to a case or something. I don't know. I don't even want that, and I know we've touched on this in past episodes, but I think if she were to come back, it would set all of the progress that Voight and Jay are going to make. It would set all of that back. It would undo all of the therapy for Voight. It, you know, Jay would immediately just get all hard-eyed and just, you know. Especially if it's like, say like episode 15 or 20 or something like that. And she'll come back like that's just, it's like over with. And plus, you know, if I'm Voight and she left and now she comes back into my life, I'm going to worry that she's going to want to leave again. So I'm not going to let myself get too attached. So in general, I prefer not to see her come back. But I know that we talked about that. So. Um, something Brida had mentioned was that, you know, the whole storyline made her feel really conflicted because she remembered how good they were and how much she shipped them and how sad she was that they'll never come to fruition. But it also made her realize how much she cares about Jay as a character over all of that. And that, I know, I mean, I realized, well, I mean, not just last night, but over the past couple of seasons, yeah, I mean, I definitely care about Jay as a character. Just seeing him hurt just always kind of... It hurts a lot. I don't know. But, you know. Um, and like I said to Jesse, he liked the tweet. But like like I said to him, the his acting was so good. And you can tell when somebody's acting is good when it affects you and makes you sad. 
like he was just playing he just did like amazing because like his acting was translating off screen it was like making i was sitting here like depressed and sad and almost to tears because he was like crying i'm like this is so sad i can't deal with jay sad all the time yeah and then jesse totally played off of it and was like i think halston needs a hug whatever <laughs> and then i think he tweeted at the end of the episode he's like how are the feels, how feels? Um, like, horrible yeah uh, uh. so it's just yeah it, it sucks that linstead is gone but as we said in previous episodes and as they reiterated in this episode you know it's it's time to move on it just is um but everybody handles loss differently so you know, if 10 episodes go by and Jay is still upset about it, okay, that's fine. Let him, you know, he'll handle it the way he wants to handle it. But, ooh, it's a doozy. So, thankfully, I mean, I'm glad they didn't really touch on the Linstead stuff that heavily. But um, there are some random notes that we wanted to mention. So, we were not going to go the whole episode without discussing this Berzik moment at the end. So, <laughs> everybody's at Molly's. Everything is great. And, you know, Voight offers Antonio his job back. Woohoo! Um, Ruzik walks up to Burgess and he's like, hey, do you want to hang out after? Burgess goes, I met somebody. Excuse me? Excuse me. Hold on a second. Backtrack. You what? So, um, what was your reaction when she said this, Ashley? She is lying. But then I get on Twitter and Marina's like, oh, you'll find out next week what she's talking about. I'm like, what? <laughs> so I don't know if she's lying or if she's really seeing somebody. Mel, thoughts? Uh, I mean, I was I was shocked because the way that Rusik flirted with her seemed like there was things happening already. Like, I don't know. And then all of a sudden she's like, I met somebody and I was like, huh? You're what now? All right. Let's throw, let's throw around some really ridiculous theories. Oh, Maybe gosh. She, here we go. Yeah, here we go. Maybe she got a dog. Ashley, a theory? Dog. Oh, I thought she was going to say the J thing. <laughs> Shut up. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> J thing. Our group text this morning, I was coming up with, like, ridiculous theories. And at one point, I just sent them. Because, you know, we all come up with ridiculous theories sometimes that we start laughing at. We're like, oh, self. That was stupid. Um... <laughs> I sent this out to them just to make this la- to make them laugh, but I was like, guys, what if she's seeing Jay and they're keeping it on like the super DL? Oh my god, stop! <laughs> Plot Ashley, twist. Yeah, Ashley, you thought it was funny. Bryna was like, I hate you. Like, <laughs> it was funny. That was one of my theories. But let's throw around some other ridiculous theories. Maybe she got a dog. Ashley, theory? Uh, maybe so. Maybe she, I don't know. But I, somebody, I read on Twitter, I don't remember who said it. Somebody said maybe she's seeing the guy in, like, the next episode. Maybe. On a, uh, the person. Oh, yeah, the next episode's pretty hot, but, yeah. Um, when I was just thinking today, I was, like, I was trying to come up with, like, ridiculous people that she would be seeing that we know. Maybe she's seeing Chout. Like, I don't know. Um, maybe she's seeing, um, oh, God, what's his name? Rhodes. Ooh. If he's not still. That's a cross ship I would, would I take that? I don't know. Interesting. No, maybe That's... I wouldn't. I don't know. That would be interesting because Ruzik would feel totally like intimidated by Rhodes. He would be like, I can't compete with a doctor. And you don't like Natalie and Will together. Maybe she's seeing Will. That would make things so awkward. 
That would make me so awkward. Oh, it would be so great. So, yeah, that's just a whole can of worms that got open last night. I was not happy about that. I also want to know more about this guy. Like, what does he do for a living? Does he respect his mother? Does he have any brothers or sisters? Is he a respectful young man? Like, I need to know these things, Burgess. You just found out he exists. You need to calm down. <laughs> well, Was she <laughs> lying the whole time? That's my theory. I think well, she and the way lie. I feel about this, too, which is funny, because when I started dating my boyfriend, I didn't tell my best friend about it for, like, two dates or something like after our second date i think was when i told my best friend and she was like what the hell dude you waited this long to tell me and i kind of feel that way with burgess i'm like what the hell dude you're just now telling us about this but whatever well she has been gone maybe she found somebody when she went on like um where'd she go on leave or whatever maybe she found somebody when she was off the show maybe I don't know. There was also another interesting tweet that we saw from Christy on Twitter. And she basically said, she goes, it's time for Ruzik to look elsewhere because Burgess blew it. Oh, boy. Um, She elaborated on this and it was such a great argument she made that Burgess takes Ruzik for granted. And I never really realized this until she explained it out. I was like, oh, my goodness, this is a really good argument. Um, I'll post it on our Twitter page. It's really long. And plus we're about 15 minutes from fire starting. So um, yeah, basically it's time for Ruzik to look elsewhere because Burgess blew it. I don't think she did. The only reason I think she didn't blow it is because Ruzik will never give up on her ever. He will never look elsewhere. And if he does, all he's going to do is spend the whole time thinking about her. It's very similar to Will and Nina and Natalie. Like Will dated somebody else, but the whole time he was just thinking about Natalie. That's exactly how it would be. Ruzik is never gonna give up on her. What do you guys think of that? Do you do you think Burgess I agree. blew it? Yeah. No, I mean, no, not really. But I agree with what you said. Mel, what do you think? Um, I, I agree. Do you uh, ship Burzik? You ship Burzik, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that uh just... well no, I can't remember his name, so so I can't even make my argument, so it doesn't even matter. <laughs> we'll edit this part out. So yeah, um yeah, I don't think Burgess blew it, but I will post that argument because I thought it was a really, really good point she made. So um yeah, and so the episode basically ends with Burgess and Antonio kind of making a toast and is it Antonio who says it or Burgess who says it? Somebody says it's a tough time to be a, a cop in Chicago anyways. Ashley, was it Antonio? I think so. I can't remember. But it's a good way to end the episode because, I mean, it's a really exciting theme that we're going to see play out this season. So I think it's going to be a really good season. What do you guys think? Yeah, I'm excited. Mel? I'm excited. I'm excited to see now. Now that I know what the uh, the um, overall theme is, I'm yeah. excited for it. It'll be good. So, all right. So I think that is the end of our show tonight. Thank you guys for tuning in. Bryna will be back for our episode about fire, which we will post on Monday. Um, as always, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's meet us at Molly's. If you have any thoughts, email us to meet us at Molly's at gmail.com. Find us individually on Twitter. I am Gina Watches TV. Ashley? I'm at Ashnick095. 
Mel actually is the host of her own podcast. Mel, where, where can we find, what is the podcast and where can we find it? Um, the podcast is called uh, Adventure Adventures in Ballarat, and it's um, basically a podcast about an Australian uh, whodunit crime drama called The Dr. Blake Mysteries, and it's where me and my friend Annalisa go and basically uh, review and recap the show and just go in depth on the characters and how they've changed over uh, the episodes. Um, you can find our podcast on... <coughs> Uh, iTunes and SoundCloud um, under the title Adventures in Ballarat and then you can find me on Twitter if you want um, at MarshyMarsh18 Cool. And Mel watches a ton of other shows too, so follow her. She's cool, I promise. Um, Yeah, so that is our show tonight. We are off to go live tweet fire. Um, Also, keep an ear out for our interview with Chris Agos. And yeah, we will see you guys on Monday. Bye.